الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Last week we finished a madkhal to aqidah we finished an introduction to aqidah an overview to aqidah alhamdulillah and we also took the most prominent firaq groups today inshallah ta'ala we're going to start a subject which we call um tadwin sunnah nabawiyah this subject calling it tadwin sunnah nabawiyah is not min tasahul this is what a lot of people have already probably heard tadwin sunnah nabawiyah right but this term tadwin tadwin who, who can help me with a good translation? Record? Huh? If Tadween is writing, then what's Tasnif? There's a fark between the two. Okay. I'll explain it then. If we can't find translation for it, we explain it. You see, this is vital that you understand this point, inshallah ta'ala. At the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it was the era of at-talaqi, um, in which the sahabas were taking it from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It was the era of taking in. Sahabas were just memorizing. They were narrate, they were hearing it from the Prophet. And it was also the era of Wariwaya, narration. That's the first generation, the first Ahdul Awwal, the first era. It was the era of a talaqi, taking from the Prophet and then narrating. Are we all together? Then came the second era, which is at tadween Tadween is to record, document. Okay? And we'll study that more, inshallah ta'ala. And, and we'll explain that more, bi-idhnillahi al Number three, was the era of At-Tasnif, authorship. It was the era of what? The era of Tasnif. Tasnif means what? Authorship. Books were being written. Scholars were coming out. Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuri came with the command of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, then Ma'amar ibn Rashid, then Al-Awza'i, and Malik ibn Anasin, and and the likes of these people. Are you with me, brothers? This was the era when books were written. And then within the authorship, 
The tasnif was not all the same. The authorship was not all the same. Some of them, they just wrote and authored a book in ahkam. Some of them authored a book in authenticity. Like Imam al-Bukhari and Imam muslim and Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Hibban and Hakim. They condition authenticity. So we'll study all of that, inshallah ta'ala. So this subject, Tadween al-Sunnah, to call it Tadween al-Sunnah, it seems like the person is only going to speak about what? That they're only going to speak about this era. But we're actually going to be talking about this time and this time as well. Does everyone understand this point? That this was the time, this is Ahadul Awal, the first era, and this is Ahadul Thani, and this is the ending of the second generation until what? And after that. Until today, works have been written, books have been written. Are we all together? So from the second, the ending of the second generation to the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth, which will be taken inshallah ta'ala, all of that was the time of tasnif, authorship. Does that make sense? Does everyone understand here? This subject is very, very important. Very vital. Extremely important. Especially looking at a lot of you, you're from the subcontinent, India. And I was honored to have gone to India and visited. In India, there is a group who believe that we only take the what? The Quran. And they reject the what? They reject the Sunnah. The Sunnah doesn't mean anything to them. We'll only stick to the Quran and Zuran wa Buhtanan wa Tadlilan. They call themselves Quraniyun. They shouldn't be called Quraniyun. Because the Qurani is a person who follows the Sunnah as well. Because the Quran instructs you to follow the Sunnah as we're going to see today. What they should be called is Munkiri as Sunnah. The rejectors of the the rejectors of the Sunnah. This subject, after studying it and learning it, you'll understand a lot. We'll be tackling their issues, where they went wrong, where this problem came from, and 99.9% of those people who reject the Sunnah have never probably studied what we're going to study today. Okay? So for you today, when this class starts, inshallah ta'ala, give your heart and mind to it, inshallah ta'ala. But we're going to start with today, two things, inshallah ta'ala, today's class. Today's class, we're going to focus on what? Today's class, we're going to focus on two things. Makanatu sunnah fil Islam. What position does the sunnah hold in our religion? What's the weight? What is the position of the sunnah in Islam? Are you with me, brothers? When I speak about that, I will speak about it from, I'm going to prove the position of the sunnah from three places. Okay? The position that the sunnah holds, I'm going to prove it from three places, inshallah ta'ala. The first one is what? Al-Quran. I'm going to 
and we're all going to look at what does the Quran say about the Sunnah okay number two I'm going to take the Sunnah itself what does the Sunnah say regarding the Sunnah and then number three Aqwal Salaf the statement of the pious predecessors when I say Salaf here who do I mean the Sahabas and the Tabi'een and the Tabi'u Tabi'een the three golden generation what they said about the Sunnah after I finish that I'm going to go into the next point inshallah ta'ala which is the importance the dedication that the Salaf gave to the Sunnah Inayah means the importance the dedication the passion the love that the Salaf had towards the Sunnah are we all together when I say Salaf here I only mean two inshallah ta'ala the first one are who? As-Sahaba I will prove how the Sahabas looked at the Sunnah are you with me brothers? and how they valued the Sunnah that's number one when I say Salaf here I mean As-Sahaba how am I going to look at the way that the Sahabas valued the Sunnah in what way is how they followed it how the Salaf followed how the Sahabas followed it I'm going to go show you some examples of how the Sahabas they followed the Sunnah no ifs no buts no questions they followed it straight away that's the first way I'm going to prove it the second way I'm going to prove it is how they had a tahari what how the Sahabas they were diligent radiallahu ta'ala anhum in what they were narrating from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam At-tahari wa at-tathabbut fima yarunahu that which the companions were narrating they were diligent they would make sure the Prophet did say this that's how important the sunnah was to the sahabas let me repeat that one more time today's lesson is going to be about makanat sunnah fil islam the position that the sunnah has in islam i'm going to bring ayat from the quran i'm going to bring inshallah ta'ala a hadiths i'm also going to bring aqwal salaf the statements of the pious predecessors once i speak about that and i finish i'm going to move on to the second point of today's lesson which is what inayat salafi biha the importance that the Salaf gave to what? Biha sunnah to the Sunnah. This pronoun ha goes back to the Sunnah. The importance that they gave the Sunnah. Good. How are you going to do that? 
I'm going to prove it. When I said Salafia, I'm referring to who? A Sahaba. The companions here. But which way did the Sahabas give importance to the Sunnah? By following it. I'm going to bring examples of that, inshallah ta'ala. Number two. التحري والتثبت فيما يرونه How they were diligent and they were careful in when they spoke about the Prophet This is an indication of how they respected the Sunnah and how important it was to them. Inshallah ta'ala. I'm going to then speak about number two. The second people I'm talking about when I say Salaf is who? At-Tabi'een. The Tabi'een. How am I going to prove the way that the Tabi'een gave importance to the Sunnah in four ways, inshallah ta'ala? Number one, Bihivdiha, how they memorized it. I'm going to bring examples of how the Tabi'een memorized the hadith and they gave importance to memorizing it. Number two, As-Su'al. Anil Isnadi, how they how they asked about the chain of narration. They wanted to know the chain. Who narrated it from who? Who did you hear it from? Who heard it from who? This was their way of giving importance to the Sunnah. Number three. Al Bahth. How they researched after the chain was given to them, they researched every individual. Where was he born? Who did he take from? Where did he go? Where did he not go? How did he go there? About his biography in details. And the fourth way is Tadween Sunnah how they documented the Sunnah for us and they put it into works the fourth one is Tadween Sunnah these four steps it will be an indication of how the Tabi'een they respected and they gave importance to the Sunnah number one is they gave memorization to keep the sunnah in their head. That's how they respected it and that's how much they loved it. How they would ask about the chain. Okay, what's the chain? Who did you hear it from? Because you never met the Prophet. So who did you hear it from? Heard it from Fulan. Hey, who did Fulan hear it from? Fulan. Who did he hear it from? Fulan. Who did he hear it from? The Prophet. Good. Now that they've been given the Senate, what did they do? Okay, who's Fulan? What's his full name? Where does he live? Where was he born? Where did he die? And they went and they found out his biography inside out. Verified. Number four, whatever information that they gathered now, they done tadween of it. They recorded it for us. Are you with me, brothers? This was the way that the Tabi'een were giving importance to the Sunnah. Today, inshallah ta'ala, I will try my best. 
to cover all of those points, inshallah ta'ala. Let's start with the first part, which is the position that the Sunnah holds. Let's take ayat from the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, the first ayah that shows the position that the Sunnah holds is the ayah number three to ayah number four, Surah Al-Najm. Ayah three to ayah, ayah four, Surah Al-Najm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he does not speak from his whims and desires وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ Nabiullah Muhammad does not talk from his own whims and desires this is not his own personal desires no إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ it's a revelation from Allah Pay attention to this point. The Quran is a revelation from Allah. And the Sunnah is a what? It's a revelation from Allah. Walidalik Hafid al Hakamiyu, he says in his Lulul Maknun, he says, For Sunnah to Nabi Wahyun Thanin Alehima Kat Utlik al Wahyani, Wa inama Tariku Harriwaya, Saftakara Rawi Ila Diraya, Bisihatil Marwiya al Rasuli, Liulam al Mardudum in Makbuli. لا سيما عند التظاهر الفتن ولبس إفك المحدثين بالسنن. he said that the sunnah is the second revelation. فالسنة النبي وحي ثاني. that the sunnah of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is a what? it's a second revelation. both of them are called what? وحي. that's why based on what ayah? وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ That's the first evidence that the sunnah is a what? It's a revelation. The second evidence from the Qur'an is وَأَنْزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَىٰ This is Surah Al-Nahl, Ayah 44. Surah Al-Nahl. Surah Al-Nahl. Surah Al-Nahl. Surah Al-Nahl, Ayah 44. Surah Al-Nahl, Ayah 44. Allah says, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَىٰ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ Muhammad, we have sent down on you a dhikra. What's the dhikr here? The Qur'an and the Sunnah. لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ So you can clarify for the people مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ The revelation that was sent to them. Some of the scholars, they said the dhikr here means the sunnah specifically. Why? Because after Allah mentioned the Qur'an, He said, we sent the sunnah down onto you, Muhammad. So you can clarify to the people the Qur'an in which they need. Ayah 44, Surah Al-Nahl. صحيح؟ ها؟ هو أنزلنا إليك ذكرى. That last part of the ayah. 
وانزلنا اليك الذكر لتبين للناس ما نزل اليهم ولعلهم يتفكرون pay attention here so the sunnah came down to what clarify and explain the what the quran put a, a line here or a dot or a mark on your note because i'm going to bring you the kalam of ibn abdul bar in his kitab jami' bayan al-ilmi wa fadli how does the sunnah explain the quran okay this is beneficial the statement of ibn abdul bar is going to be gold i'm going to mention it later inshallah ta'ala so it's best that i bring uh, you write it under this ayah okay that you write it under this ayah but for me i don't want to do that because i'm going to call it to a sequence i'm going to call it what i wrote on the board the second sorry the third evidence the third what evidence of the position that the sunnah holds is the ayah seven ayah seven surah al-hashr ayah seven suratu suratu al-hashr allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ What does it mean? Some people's translation is whatever the Prophet comes with, take it. Correct? Incorrect. Anyone who says whatever the Prophet came with take it is wrong and that is an incorrect translation of the verse that person cannot distinguish between atakum and atakum and they totally mean different one is fi'l lazim and one is fi'l muta'addi one is a transitive verb and one is an intransitive verb the correct meaning is if the prophet gives you something take it from him he gives you something take it from him and if he prohibits you from something stay away from it if he gives you something take it from him sallallahu alaihi wasallam are you with me brothers and if he prohibits you from something stay away from it the th- the th- uh, i mentioned three right fourth allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says the fourth one is Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 31. Surah Ali, Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 31. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Qul, say to them, Muhammad, In kuntum tuhibbuna Allah, if you love Allah, fattabi'uni, follow me. Yuhbibukum Allah, Allah will love you. Wa yaghfir lakum dhunubakum, wallahu ghafur rahim. Say to them, Muhammad, in kuntum tuhibbuna Allah, if you love Allah, if your love for Allah is real, and it's not a mere claim, if it's not just a claim, but it's real, you really love Allah, as you say, the thing to really tell us that it's true, this claim of yours is true, is what? The following of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَلِذَلِكَ حَسَنَ الْبَصْرِي What did he say? He said when it came to this ayah 
A group of people, they claim the love of Allah. Allah tested them with this ayah. That's why scholars, they call this ayah, Ayatul Imtihan. The verse of test. To test what? If your love for Allah is true. Is to see if your love for Allah is really true. Because everybody can say, I love Allah. Wallahi, I love Allah. I love Allah. Everyone can say that, sah? Claiming is the easiest thing. Everyone can do that. But making your claim into reality, showing it, the way that you talk, the way that you act, the way that you carry yourself, your belief, everything is in accordance to the Prophet. Your love for Allah is true. You do really love Allah. So this ayah, what does it show us? The ones who say, Wallahi, we love the Quran. But they don't follow the Prophet. What do we say? Do they love the Quran? That's why we don't call them Quraniyun. Are you with me, brothers? Your claim for the Quran, which is the speech of Allah, is what? Null and void. It's not true. Because the way to know that you really love the Quran is to follow the Prophet. Are you with me? The fifth evidence, Surah An-Nisa, Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 65. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says, "Fala wa Rabbika la yu'minun hatta yuhakimuka fi ma shajara bainhum, thumma la yajidu fi anfusim harajan mimma qadait wa yusallimu taslima." Allah says, "Fala wa Rabbika la yu'minun hatta yuhakimuka fi ma shajara bainhum." They are not true believers. They are not true believers. That when they have disputes and they have arguments and conflicts, if they don't make you their judgment, Muhammad, if these people, when they have conflicts, two people are fighting, wife and a husband, two friends, two individuals in the same company they are going at each other if they don't take it back to the prophet وسلم, allah said they're not true believers and when they take it to the prophet and the judgment is brought to the prophet and the result comes the result is given in their heart they don't have enmity towards that ruling. They're happy. Did Allah say that? Did the messenger say that? How Allah surrender? They give in. They surrender. And they are happy. So how many things is needed? Three things. To really know if you have true iman. Number one. When something happens in your life. If you have a conflict with somebody. If you have a problem with somebody. You bring it back to who? The Prophet is number one. Bringing it back to the Sunnah, one. Second, is to what? Surrender. When the result and the answer and the judgment that's given is told to you, you're wrong. Surrender. Say, I am wrong. Number three, be happy. Don't just surrender, but be pleased with it. 
Why? Because this came from who? Allah Azza wa Jalla. وَلَا يُنَبِّئُكَ مِثْلُ خَبِيرٌ وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا This came from Allah and Allah is just. Be happy. Surrender. Don't ask why, me, who. Don't say that. Just surrender. Are you with me, brothers? The last evidence from the, from the ayat, from the Quran, is Surah An-Nur. Surah An-Nur. Ayah 63. Ayah 63, Surah An-Nur. Allah says, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Allah says, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ Let them be cautious. فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ Let them be very cautious. And warned. Who? الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ The ones that are going against the prophets way فليحذر. be cautious be what be cautious what's going to happen to you of what فليحذر الذين يخالفون عن أمر أن تصيبهم فتنة فتنة is going to happen to you are you doing brothers what are you scared of what are you worried about fitness is going to happen to you do you know what Imam Ahmed said that the fitna here means Imam Ahmad said that the fitna in this ayah means that you went against the Prophet's command and you rejected it once that it's going to become the, your path to apostasy. Ridda. Ahmad said fitna here means ridda, apostasy. Because one time if you reject the Prophet, what's preventing you from rejecting him 20 times? What is stopping you from rejecting him 100 times? What is stopping you from rejecting him in totality? Are you with me, brothers? Well, if the person takes going against the Prophet once lightly, it won't stop there. It will carry on and it will carry on and it will carry on until it becomes a hundred. That's why Imam Ahmed said, the ones who go against the Prophet's command in this ayah, the fitna that is scared for them, that they need to be cautious of, is a ridda and dinillahi azza wa apostasy from the religion. Are you with me, brothers? May Allah protect us from apostasy. Now we're going to go into the ahadith. Now we're going to go into the ahadith. How many evidences from the Quran did I give you? How much did I give? Ikhtalaf al ulama? Some are saying five. Is that ijma'ah? <laughs> We need the ijma'ah to, to take it serious. We need to take ijma'ah, sah? We don't want khilaf, hey? How many? Six. Final? Six. Now we're going to go into the sunnah. The sunnah is hadith Ubaidullahi ibn Abi Rafi'in who narrated from his father Abi Rafi'ah. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, this hadith is narrated by Imam Abi Dawood in his Sunan. And Imam Abi Dawood, in his Sunan, he has a chapter called Babu Luzum Sunnah, holding on to the Sunnah. And Imam Abi Dawood in his Sunan, which is a hadith book, inside there there's a chapter where he called it sticking to, 
holding on to the sunnah. In there, he brings this hadith that the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, alayhi salatu wasallam, la al fayna ahadakum muttaki'an ala arikatihi yatihi al amru min amri mimma amartu bihi aw nahiitu anhu fayakulu la nadri ma wajadna fi kitab Allah tabanah. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, pay attention to this. La al fayna that there's going to be a person who is inclining or he's resting on his what? On a pillow or a sofa. He's lying down. He's relaxed. Muttaki'an ala arikati. Ya'tihi al-amru min amri. A matter will come to him from my matters. Meaning from the sunnah. It will be told to him that the Prophet said this. He commanded this. Mimma amartu bi. Something I commanded will be told to him. Or nahaytu anhu or something I prohibited will be told to this person. Fayaqulu. This person will say, La nadri. We don't know this. We don't know this sunnah. We don't know this sunnah. Ma wajadna fi kitabillahi tab'ana. Whatever we find in the kitab of Allah, we will take as for the sunnah, we don't know this stuff. Bukhari, where did he come? Bukhari came 2,000, 200, 300, uh, 250 after uh, the Prophet. <laughs> Are you with me, brothers? Hadiths, when were they collected? Who collected them? We don't know this. But little do they know the way that the hadith came through chains, so did the Quran. The Quran came through Asanid and Riwayat and through chains. Are you with me, brothers? So the Prophet already told us that there are going to be a people who are going to reject what? And he even told us what they're going to say. That they're going to say, He will say, We don't know this. This concept, I want you to brothers, brothers to know this, which is a lot of people, when they say to you, I don't know this, they think or they make it seem like because they don't know it, it's, it doesn't exist. So, so you ask him a question, you say, brother, did the Prophet Sallallahu say this? And he will say to you, I've never heard of this. Are you with me, brothers? So when you th hear that from him, what do you think? That it doesn't exist. And the qaida is adamul wujudi la yadulu ala adamul wujdan. Just because you couldn't find it, because you didn't come across it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Are you with me, brothers? Just because you don't know, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So that's why a lot of the times, if you say to somebody, I haven't come across this, always add, and it may be there. It could be. I will research. Are you with me, brothers? Especially if you've only read 40 hadith by Imam Nawi and you haven't finished the Quran. Are you with me, brothers? What you have and what is missing from you, which was more? Yeah, what is more? You already have 42 hadiths. You probably didn't do just Amma Tafsir. 
all of it and then when you're asked a question you're like the messenger never said this you give a definite rejection Sahih. this is a problem Imam Muhammad ibn Shahab Zuhri a man he said to a man once in a gathering Ibn Shahab said, said that the Prophet didn't say this and you know Ibn Shahab Zuhri is from the he's from the shuyukh of Imam Malik he's Imam Malik's teacher Muhammad ibn Shahab Zuhri and he met the Sahabas are you with me brothers so he said that the Prophet didn't say this and so a man said did you read all of the hadith of the Prophet and Muhammad ibn Shahab Zuhri said no no one can claim on the face of this earth that they came across all the hadith of the Prophet and Imam Shafi'i we said in his kitab Jumma'ul Ilm anyone who says I memorized all the hadith of the Prophet is a liar no one did the Quran yes like in the hadith and the sunnah it's too much no one can do ihata are you with me brothers even at this time when all the hadith are present you just have to look, look it up how many times do we find Mashaykh who said Walam aqif ala hadha al-hadith I never came across this hadith are you with me brothers so when Ibn Shahab al-Zuhri said the Prophet didn't say this he said the Prophet didn't say this the man said to him did you read all the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad al-Shahab said no he said did you read half of the sunnah of the Prophet he said no he said one third of it Ibn Shahab said no he said how do you say the Prophet didn't say this that's Imam Malik's teacher so when somebody asks you a question and you don't know this issue the best thing to say is first of all Allahu A'lam and the second thing is say I didn't come across it and it may be possible that it's out there but we will look into it more inshallah ta'ala but we'll come to that point inshallah ta'ala later when we speak about At-Tahari this will speak about it more in details the second evidence is the hadith of Al-Miqdad ibn Ma'di Karab the companion Al-Miqdad ibn Ma'di Karabin Al-Rasulillah from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the messenger said Ala inni utitu al-Qur'ana wa mithlahu ma'ah the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Allah, O oh people, I was given the Quran and like the Quran. The Sahabi who narrated this is who? Maqdad ibn Ma'di Karab. And it's found in Sunnah Abi Dawood, the chapter I told you, Babul Uzum Sunnah, that the Prophet said, Allah, O oh people, Inni utitul Qur'an I was given the Qur'an wa mithlahu and like it I was given what is what does he mean like it sunnah he means sunnah now I'm going to go into the statement of the salaf the salaf what they said what did the Salaf say regarding the Sunnah? Hassan al-Basri, and Imam Hassan al-Basri, he said, and Imran ibn Hussein, who is Imran ibn Hussein? A companion. Are you with me, brothers? 
Hassan al-Basri said that Imran ibn Hussein kana jalisan wa ma'ahu ashabu. Imran ibn Hussein was sitting one day, this noble companion was sitting one day and his students were around him. His students were around him, Imran ibn Hussein. فَقَالَ رَجُّلٌ مِّنَ الْقَوْمِ Imran ibn Hussein was talking to his students and he was discussing with them. And what was he doing? He was bringing a hadith. For whatever issue he was talking about, he would bring hadith for it. So a man said in the gathering to this companion, Imran ibn Hussein, he said to him, لَا تُحَدِّثُونَ إِلَّا بِالْقُرْآنِ Don't tell us except the Qur'an. Don't talk to us except with the Qur'an. That's all we want. Don't tell us except the Qur'an. فَقَالَ Imran Hussein said to the man, Udru, come close. Come close to me. So it seemed the man was a bit far. So he said to him, come close to me. فَدَنَ الرَّجُلُ The man came close to Hassan, Imran Hussein. فَقَالَ He said to him, أَرَأَيْتَ لَوْ كِلْتَ أَنْتَ وَأَصْحَابُكَ إِلَى الْقُرْآنِ He said, if this matter regarding the Qur'an was placed in your hands and it was given to you. Meaning, since you're the, you know what the Sunnah, if the Qur'an and its affairs were given to you and you were told to speak, okay, and to use your Qur'an only, would you find in that Qur'an that you have, Dhuhr is four, وَصَلَاةُ الْعَصْرِ وَصَلَاةَ الْعَصْرِ And that Salat al-Asr is what? Arba'an four. وَالْمَغْرِبَ ثَلَاثًا And that Maghrib is three. Would you have found it there? Would you find all of that in there? Then he went on to say, أَرَأَيْتَ لَوْ كِلْتَ أَنْتَ وَأَصْحَابُكَ إِلَى الْقُرْآنِ أَكُنْتَ تَجِدُ الطَّوَافَ بِالْبَيْتِ سَبْعًا Would you have found that going around and circumambulating around the Kaaba seven times. Would you have found this in the Quran? To go between Safa and Marwa seven times. All the Quran mentions is what? In Safa It doesn't mention seven. The Sunnah mentions the seven. Would you have found that in the Quran? And then he said to him, Imran ibn Hussein said to the people who were sitting there, People, take from us. Imran ibn Hussein, he said to him, O oh people, take from us. If you don't, you will truly be misguided. Meaning, take from us the sunnah that we give to you. Take it from us. Oh Wallahi, you'll be misguided. Al Imam Khatib al Baghdadi narrated this in his Kitab al Kifaya, Fi Ilm al Riwaya. The second is.
Muhammad ibn Kathir. He narrated from Al-Awza'i. That Awza'i narrated from who? Hassan ibn Atiyah. Imam Ahl al-Sham. Imam Al-Awza'i narrated from Hassan ibn Atiyah. That Hassan ibn Atiyah said, Kana Jibrilu. Jibril was Yanzilu ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam abissunnah. Jibreel used to come down. Jibreel would what? Used to come down on the Prophet with the Sunnah. The way that he used to come to him on the what? On the Quran. The way that Jibreel would come down with the Quran, he said he would come down on the Sunnah. That's that's what he said. وَيُعَلِّمُهُ إِيَّاهَا And he would teach him it. كَمَا يُعَلِّمُهُ الْقُرْآنَ He would teach the Prophet the Sunnah the way he would teach him the Qur'an. Are you with me, brothers? Al-Imam al-Darimi narrated that in his Sunan. Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, he said, أَنَّ رَجُّنًا قَالَ لِمُطَرِّفِ ibn عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنُ الشَّخِيرِ A man said to مُطَرِّف ibn عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الشَّخِيرِ Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani is narrating this that a man said to Mutarrif ibn Abdullah al-Shakhir, a man said to him, La tuhadithuna illa bil-Qur'an. Don't tell us anything except the Qur'an. And then Mutarrif said to him, Wallahi, ma nuridu bil-Qur'an badala, walakin nuridu man huwa a'lami bil-Qur'an minna. Mutarrif ibn Abdullah al-Shakhir, a man said to him, Don't tell us anything except the Qur'an. We don't want the Sunnah. The only thing that we want is the what? The Quran. And then Mutarrif said to him, Wallahi, ma nuridu bil Qurani badalan. We don't want anything to take the place of the Quran. We don't want to exchange anything with the Quran. Even we don't want to. But what we want is, Walakin nuridu. But what we want is one who knows the Quran more than us. Who knows the Quran more than us? Sunnah. So the Sunnah is not here to exchange the Quran. It's actually here to what? Explain the Quran. And this is what they fall into those who want to reject the Sunnah. They believe that the Sunnah is what? It's coming to remove the Quran. But rather what it's doing is it's explaining the Quran. And that concept is not there with them. Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, he said, إِذَا حَدَّثْتَ رَجُلَ if you talk to a person, and you tell him the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and then he says to you, Don't tell us about the sunnah. Don't tell us about the sunnah that you're talking about. If we ask you a question, just tell us the Quran. Know that this person is misguided. If a person says this to you, when you give him the sunnah, and you give him a hadith, and he says to you, don't tell us the ahadiths. We don't want this. What did he say? Know that this person is what? It's misguided. Now I'm going to mention the kalam of Ibn Abdul Barr rahimahullah. That I promised that I was going to tell you, right? 
What does the ayah mean? وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Ibn Abdul Bar is explaining here what the ayah means. جَامِعُ بَيَانِ الْعِلْمِ وَفَضْلِهِ Ibn Abdul Bar, he explains here for us what does the sunnah do to the Qur'an. And what does the ayah mean? وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ What does it mean? Abu Umar ibn Abdul Abdilbar rahimahullah He says وَالْبَيَانُ مِنْهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ عَلَىٰ ضَرْبَيْنِ The way that the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم He explains the Qur'an is in two ways Are you with me brothers? What does he do? In two ways he expands and he explains the Qur'an Number one بيان المجمل في الكتاب كبيانه للصلوات الخمس في مواقيتها وسجودها وركوعها وسائر أحكامها. There are some verses in the Quran which are ambiguous. There are unclear. For example, Allah سبحانه وتعالى what does He say? وأقيم الصلاة. What does Allah say? Allah عز وجل He says. Allah Azza wa Jalla, He says, وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةِ Establish the what? Establish the prayer. How? This is ambiguous. It's mujmal. You don't know how to pray. Okay? The Prophet Sallallahu He told you, okay, you have to raise your hands. And He told you where you put your hand. And He Sallallahu Alaihi told us the ruku' And how straight your back is. And then the hands go up. And then where to? And then where your hands go? And then where you go? All of the seek. Which one comes first? The ruku' or the qiyam? Or the ruku' or the sujood? Or the tashawud or the sujood? He explained all of that to you. The Quran here is ambiguous. The sunnah, what did he do? Clarified it for you. That's the first type. The Quran has verses which are ambiguous. The sunnah comes and explains it for you. Ibn Abdul Bar says this is the first one. The zakat, how much do you pay? It's also ambiguous. How much do you have to give? When do you have to give it? How do you give it? Who do you give it? It's all explained. How do you do hajj? The Prophet ﷺ, he explained it to us when he said, خُذُوا مَنَاسِكَكُمْ Take your hajj from me. That's the first type. The second type is, زِيَادَةٌ عَلَىٰ حُكْمِ الْكِتَابِ The sunnah is going to add on rulings that are not found in the Qur'an. Okay. This is the one that they don't like. Are you with me, brothers? This is the one that they hate. Which is what? The Quran comes with new rulings. Sorry, the Sunnah, sorry. The Sunnah, it comes with what? New rules that you will not find in what? You will not find in the Quran. 
Are you with me, brothers? It's not found in the Quran. It's only found in the Sunnah. Such as a man marrying a woman. Marrying a woman and her auntie. Her maternal and her paternal auntie. Her auntie from her the girl's dad's side or her mother's side. Can you marry them at the same time? This is not found in the Quran. Are you with me, brothers? If, can a person marry a woman and that woman's auntie and her maternal or paternal, Amma and Khala, can you marry all of them at the same time? No. Why is in the Sunnah? Not in the ayah, it's not in there. All it prohibited in the ayah is Two sisters. Lakin Amma and Khala, this is a hukum ziyada, additional ruling found in the Sunnah. Are you with me, brothers? Example he gives you animals that have nails and claws. The prohibition is found in the Sunnah. And it's not found in the Quran. And many more other things which there's this is not the place to mention all of them. But this is an example. وَقَدْ أَمَرَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَ بِطَاعَاتِ وَاتِّبَاعِ أَمْرًا مُطْلَقًا مُجْمَلًا لَمْ يُقَيَّدْ بِشَيْءٍ وَلَمْ يَقُلْ مَا وَافَقَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ كَمَا قَالَ بَعْضُ أَهْلِ زَيْغِ He is powerful. Do we take the sunnah when it brings an additional ruling, brothers? Do we follow it? Do we submit to it? Yes. And anyone who says, I will follow the sunnah when it's in accordance to the Qur'an, this person is a sick-minded individual. Okay? We have now finished the first part today. I gave you Quran, I gave you Sunnah, and I gave you some of the aqwal of the Salaf, right? The statement of Ayyub al-Sakhtiyan is from the Salaf. Are you with me, brothers? <coughs> we finished this point. Alhamdulillah. Accomplished. We were meant to go through inayah to Salafi biha. Lakin, ayah, should we go in? Hmm? Okay, let's go into inayah to Salafi biha. The way that the Salaf gave importance to the Sunnah. Again, I'm going to touch on the Sahabas, and I'm going to do it in two ways. How they followed it. Okay? How the Sahabas, they followed it. Listen to the story, brothers. This is going to be stories, inshallah ta'ala, of how the Sahabas were like following the Sunnah. And wallahi, when we see this, from this minute onwards, brothers, we should be people like this. This is what we should work towards. If we're not there yet, our minds and our hearts should be towards this. We should be focusing on this. To work towards this. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. He said, Ittaqadan Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama khataman min dhahabin. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he took a ring. 
a gold ring. Who took the gold ring? Nabiullah Muhammad. The Prophet took a wrong gold ring and he started wearing it. Fatahad al-Nas, the people, also the Prophet with a gold ring, what did they do? They oh, gold ring. Because they love him, sallallahu alayhi wa This is their life. They love him, alayhi wa They copied him. They all bought a gold ring. Fatahad al-Nas, khawatima min dhahabin. Fakal al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet then said, Inni tahadtu khawatima min dhahabin. O people, I took a golden ring. Fanabadahu took it off and he threw it. Alayhi salatu salam. Rid of it. When he did that, what did the people do? Waqala. And the Prophet, when he threw it, he said, Inni la albasuhu abadan. I'm never going to wear gold ever again. When he took it off, what did he say? I'm never going to wear gold again. Fanabadanasu khawatimahum. Everyone took their ring off and they started throwing it. And guess what happened? The Prophet went and he bought what? A silver ring. And he put it on. Everybody bought a silver ring. And they all started wearing it. And they never, the Prophet never took it off. And they never took it off. And when the Prophet died, that ring got passed over to who? Huh? Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr used to use that ring because he said Muhammad Rasulullah on it. The Prophet used to use it as a he used to use it as a stamp. When the Prophet died, Abu Bakr took it. And then when Abu Bakr died, Umar took it. And when, when Umar died, who took it? Uthman took it. And Uthman dropped it into a well. It fell into a well. And he requested for the well to be undug and for it. And the people went against Uthman radiallahu anhu. Who rebelled against him one of the things that they rebelled against him for was the ring that is an evil man the ring that was passed on by the Prophet to Abu Bakr to Umar this man took it and he threw it fell into a bitter this shows how evil this man is that's what they said you see so Uthman requested for the whole world to be undug everything to be brought out for it to be found but Allah did not will it subhanahu wa ta'ala it was not found but this, what does it show us, brothers? Sahaba ittiba'uhum biha, how they followed the sunnah. And the way they went quick, quickly into it. The uh, Tirmidhi mentions in his sunnah that the Prophet's ring, some of the riwayat mention is right and some say he's left. Both narrations are being transmitted. But the ring was inside. Do you get it? Inside. People's ring are upright. Huh? It sticks up like this. The Prophet was inside. His ring stuck inside. It was that way. Does that make sense? La, it was sunnah It's norms. Okay, it's not a. It's not a shari. Ah. But if the person's intending to follow the Prophet because of love for him, that's another qadi. We'll talk about these issues in more details elsewhere. Pay attention to this. Another example of how the Sahabas used to follow the Sunnah and how they were towards it. Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, Qala baynama Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli bi ashabi id khala ana alayhi. The Prophet was wearing what? Shoes. He led the people with shoes on. Abu Dawood narrated this hadith, it's in his Sunnah. 
the Prophet ﷺ what? He was wearing shoes, alayhi salatu wasalam. And he was leading the people in his masjid. Not that I'm saying wear shoes inside the masjid. The only masjid that I've actually heard that they used to come in shoes with was Sheikh Muqbil ibn Hadi al-Wajah's masjid. Students used to come in with their shoes. He would never stop them. If they wanted to, they can come in the masjid. In Yemen, Damaj, he would say to them, you can wear it. Anyone who wants it. And the carpet became destroyed because of that. But he felt that the sunnah was more valuable for the carpet. But I'm not saying to go into the masjid with your shoes on, okay? No way or sh- am I endorsing that. Because the harm that comes from it is greater. But the Prophet ﷺ led the salah with his shoes on, alayhi salatu salam. And when he led it, what did he do? He took off his two shoes, he put them on his left. He took them off in the salah. The sahabas were all looking at him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَلَمَّا رَآهُ ذَلِكَ الْقَوْمِ When the people saw him do that, لَهُمْ All of them, not one person, every one of them in the middle of the salah, they took off their shoes, all of them, and they pushed it to the side, on their left side. فَلَمَّا قَضَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ صَلَاتَهُ So the Prophet وسلم, when he finished the prayer, he saw all of the companions, they're not wearing shoes anymore. And he said to them, What made you take off all, all of you to take off your shoes? Why did you all take your shoes off? They said, We saw you take your shoes off, O Messenger of Allah. We took off our shoes. Atani, Jibreel came to me فأخبرني أن فيهما قذرا Jibreel came to me in the salah and he told me that my shoes they have filth on it that's why I took, I took mine off pay attention here the way they followed him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Abdullah ibn Abbas another story we'll stop it there we'll go to the next point which is so we finished this one as well we did this. We're now going to go into this one, inshallah, and we'll stop there, inshallah ta'ala. Which is how the Sahabas would, first of all, they would gain the knowledge of the Sunnah. And I want to stop over this point, inshallah ta'ala, and I want to extract benefits from it because I know a lot of you can relate to this hadith that I'm going to mention. A lot of you work, you probably have a nine to five job. And maybe this is the only day in the week that you get the chance to study the deen. And you study the religion of Allah Azawajal. And the rest of the week you're busy and you're studying. Now what I want you to understand is you're not alone. You're not the only person who's felt this way. It's something that was present at the time of the Prophet 
The Sahabas, they couldn't all sit with the Prophet every single day. They had jobs. They had businesses. They had to make money. But they also wanted to take knowledge from him, sallallahu alayhi wa And the way that they used to do it was amazing. They wanted to learn that sunnah. Abdullah ibn Abbas mentioned this hadith is found in Sahih al-Bukhari. Okay, a lot of you are going to relate to this. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, عن Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Umar said, Kuntu ana wajaru li min al-ansari. Umar, where did he come from? Mecca, right? And remember when the Prophet's companions came from Mecca and they came to Medina, what did the Prophet do? He made a Meccan with a Medinian, right? That's what he did. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Umar said, Kuntu ana wajaru li. I had a neighbor who was an Ansari, me and him were the closest ones. Fi Bani Umayyah, wahiya min awali al-Madina, wa kunna natanawabu al-Nuzula, wa kunna natanawabu al-Nuzula. We both had a job. He worked and I worked. Had a job, I had a job. So the way that we agreed was, one day I go to the Prophet, I don't go work, and I take knowledge from him. All the knowledge, all the hadiths, all the things that he says, everything that happens, I document it. And I come to you, and I tell you what I saw, and I tell you what I heard, and you do the same the next day, and I go work. Are you with me, brothers? So we used to do that. Yanzilu yawman, one day he would come to the Prophet. Wa'anzilu yawman, and one day I will come to the Prophet. Fa'idha nazaltu jitu bi'khabari dhalika al-yawmi min al-wahi wa ghayri. Any revelation that came down, any hadith, anything I will tell him. Wa'idha nazala, if he came, fa'ala mithlu dhalika. The Sahabas were busy. But look how they saw it important that they what, brothers? That they nurture themselves. You're a component of three things. You have a body, you have a mind, and you have a soul. Are you with me, brothers? A lot of people, when they just think about their jobs and the money that they need to make, they're only worrying about their body. Really, the money that you're making, what do you want to do? Just want to be big, strong. Food, that's what it does for you, right? Break down the reason why you work. Why do you work for? You want to provide. You want to eat. That's it. But the only thing that you focused on is the body. What about the mind and the soul? So the Sahabas realized that it is vital for you to take care of your body, to eat, to make money for your family and for yourself. But they also realized that the revelation is the only thing that can nurture the mind and the Soul. That's why Allah said, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ رُوحًا مِّنْ أَمْرِنَا مَا كُنْتَ تَدْرِي مَا الْكِتَابُ وَلَا الْإِيمَانِ وَلَكِنْ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُورًا نَهْدِي بِهِ مَنْ نَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِي إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Allah said, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ رُوحًا رُوحًا Allah referred to the revelation as a what? Ruh. Are you with me, brothers? Why? It gives life to the soul. 
Are you with me, brothers? As for the Quran nurturing the mind, Allah, how many places does He say in the Quran? Many places in the Quran, if you look at Allah says, The Quran is talking to the mind. Are you with me, brothers? We'll stop here, inshallah ta'ala. Even this one we haven't started yet. Like, we'll stop there. Next week we'll carry on uh, this issue of At-Tahari wa Tathabuti fi Mayarunahu. And we mentioned the Tabi'een and the next lesson, inshallah ta'ala. Bidhnillah al-Kareem. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and Shaytan and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illallah astaghfiruk wa atubu ilayh. Was there a lot of information today? Yeah? A lot of information. Just watch the video maybe 20 times. The references were mentioned in the notes, so you can just look at the ayat, it's there. At least, you know those verses? At least memorize three of them. There's six. Memorize at least three. The hadiths. At least memorize three. And the aqwal salaf at least memorize one or two. Because this is, this is important. That you can talk evidences, the position of the sunnah. Okay, any questions? Fadal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, if the person does reject the sunnah and they say we don't accept the sunnah and they were, that's how they were born and their forefathers were like that, then la shakka wa la raib, they were never Muslims. Rejecting the sunnah is not Islam. You're not a Muslim. Are you with me, brothers? But if the person is a Muslim or was a Muslim and then they say, I don't believe in the sunnah, then this individual leaves the fold of Islam. He will leave that statement will take him out of the fold of Islam. Is the proof established against him or is it not? There's a multiple khilaf. It's a dispute among the scholars. I'm of the opinion it, he leaves the religion even before the evidence is established on him. Before it's even established on him. But the evidence has to be brought to him to be brought back to the religion. Okay? It's a very dangerous statement because when you say Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, sah? And then what's the next part? Ashadu Allah Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is what it is following the Sunnah, right? Ashadu Allah Muhammad Rasulullah is missing. If a person doesn't come with Ashadu Allah Muhammad Rasulullah, what do they come with? They haven't come with the Shahadatin that makes them a Muslim. Now pay attention. If a person rejects a particular hadith, I don't believe this hadith. Or a person says, you know what? I don't believe in Sahih al-Bukhari. This is bid'ah, dalal, misguidance. doesn't take them out of the fold of Islam. Are you with me? We're talking about a person who says, I don't take sunnah at all. That's what we're talking about, okay?
Shall I tell you the best way to deal with them? Make sure you come to this course from the beginning to the end. The truth is, we're going to be tackling all of those points. The arguments. How is hadith gathered? The Prophet didn't even know these things. He didn't even accept the authentication. He didn't even accept the writing of hadith. And etc. And their doubts. Every single point that they brought, we will what? We will respond to it, inshallah ta'ala. But the way we respond to it is, I won't tell you there's a doubt that's out there and they say this. I'll just make it all into a what? Just a lesson. Okay? I'll just make sure that the points and the answers, that's it. But after you finish this, are you with me, brothers? You realize. Wallahi, I'll tell you something. Just the other day, I was talking to somebody about Sahih al-Bukhari. And he goes, Sahih al-Bukhari, did even Imam al-Bukhari write this? Is it even his? How do you know? I said to him, who narrated Sahih al-Bukhari from Imam al-Bukhari? Do you know? No, no, no. He didn't. Why do I even need to know? It's not even important. So you don't know? No. 90,000 people had Bukhari from him, Sahih. How many people? 90,000 people heard Bukhari from him. His Kitab al Jami' al Musnad al Mukhtasar al Sahih in Sunan al Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ayyami. Like it became famous and common from the student Muhammad ibn Yusuf al Firabri. Am al Farabri, am al Firabri, however you want to say it. From Muhammad ibn Yusuf al Farabri, 13 people heard it from him. How many people? 13 people, but it became famous from three people Al Kushmayhani, Ibn Hamuyat al Salaksi, Al Mustamli, Ibn Hamuyat al Salaksi, and Al Kushmayhani. Both three of them, Abi Dar al Harawi narrated it from, and Abi Dar al Harawi's narration is the one half of Hajar relies on Fatul Bari. When you look at Fatul Bari, it's the riwayah of Idar al Harawi and Mashaykhihi Thalatha from his three teachers. And Mashaykhihi al Thalatha. There's another riwayah called Riwayah Abi Ishaq, Riwayah Ibrahim ibn Ma'qal al Nasafi. Khattabi uses that one in his Kitab Ilam al Hadith and Ilam al Sunan. Are you with me, brothers? I asked him, Do you know any of this? He goes, Wallahi, I don't. I, I asked him, Do you know the conditions of Bukhari in his Sahih? What is sahih to him? This book you have to understand. And Imam al-Iraqi says in his Al-Fiyah, Bukhari's kitab is the most authentic book any human being has ever written any human whichever religion they attribute themselves to there is not a book more authentic than this book never was and never has been are you with me brothers so when you see somebody open doubt on sahih al-bukhari and an imam al-bukhari is sahih don't ever think to yourself that they really intend bukhari sahih but they really intend the what? As Sunnah. It's a, get rid of Bukhari because this is the most authentic book to you. Are you with me, brothers? 
How many years was Bukhari writing his Sahih for? 16 years. And then when he wrote his book for 16 years, Ibn Hajar, after studying Sahih al-Bukhari, it took him 16 years, Ibn Hajar, to write an introduction for Sahih al-Bukhari before he wrote his Fathul Bari. 16 years he was writing Hadusari, which is an introduction to Sahih al-Bukhari. Talking about what? The conditions of Bukhari and the manhaj and the methodology of Bukhari in his Sahih and who narrated it from him and and the tarajim, the chapters in Bukhari and the mu'allaqat in Bukhari and the alaqa between the tarjama and the hadith and the relationship between the two Ibn Hajar, it took him how many years? 16 years are you with me brothers? so to easily come and say that Sahih al-Bukhari it's not authentically transmitted to Imam al-Bukhari and also Bukhari has a hadith which are wahiya, da'ifa like that Naam, there are some scholars who criticize some ahadiths and some wordings in what? In Sahih al-Bukhari, like Al-Imam al-Dara Abu Mas'ud al-Dimashqi, um, Abu Ali al-Jayani and others, they criticize it. The author of the kitab, Taqeed al-Muhmal. Yes, they did criticize it, but they didn't do it based on desires. They done it by following the science of hadith. Are you with me, brothers? By following the what? The science of hadith. Not because this goes against my logic. Are you with me, brothers? Well, this goes against my, my critical thinking. So based on that, I don't accept this book, Sahih al-Bukhari. No, these scholars, they follow the science. Bukhari, when he wrote his Sahih, do you know what he did? He placed his Sahih in front of who? He finished his book, authored it. He took it to Yahya ibn Ma'in. He took it to Ali ibn Madini. He took it to Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Are you with me, brothers? And they looked at his book and they only criticized four hadiths. There's 4,000 something hadiths in there. They criticized four hadiths. And you know what Abu Ja'far, uh, Ja'far al-Uqayli said? Ja'far al-Uqayli said, وَالْقَوْلُ قَوْلُ بْنُ Bukhari. Even those four, Bukhari was right. Even the criticism of those four, he's right. Anyways, the point is, Wallahi, I'm telling you brothers, when you take time out to study the science of hadith, Wallahi, you appreciate what these scholars did for us. And the effort that these individuals exerted. And the hard work that these people put in. Al-Imam al-Bukhari is a madrasa. He's a madrasa. What is he? If universities came together and they tried to look into the works of Bukhari and they tried to do tatabu' and following his up, wallahi, they would get tired. Are you with me, brothers? Do you know how many sharah Sahih al-Bukhari has? 300 sharah. How many? 300 sharah. Al-Kirmani, Al-Qastalani, Ibn Hajar, Badruddin Al-Ayni, Ibn Rajab Al-Hanbali, Suyuti has a sharah on it, Khattabi, Abu Sulaiman Al-Khattabi. I by myself, only me alone, I have 80, 80, 80 different sharah. Ibn Mulaqin Sharah, 80. Imagine 300. Can you finish 300 in the, for, and take benefits from all of them? Are you with me, brothers? May Allah allow us. 
You see, nowadays what died out, brothers, is respecting those who came before us and honoring those who came before us. I mean, when you look at the scholars, they always respected those who came before them. They respected them. Even they, they were so respectful, even they respected their students. Are you with me? Look at Ibn Malik, his Alfiya. He says, Ibn Malik said, He's talking about Nawawi. Nawawi is a student of Ibn Malik. He mentions a mas'ala. Are you with me, brothers? A view that he holds, Ibn Malik, and a discussion regarding it. And then he says, but there's somebody op who opposes us in this issue. And he's talking about his own student, Imam al-Nawi. And at the beginning, he talks about the Shaykh before him that authored in grammar. He's respecting him. He's a scholar who came before him, he wrote a thousand lines in grammar, and he's saying, May Allah Ta'ala honor him. He came before me, he's more virtuous. Uh, that was a long tangent I went off onto. And we're going to start the next lesson, inshallah. Uh,